Terrible Toby's is Kitchener's independent, community-driven pet supply store. Conveniently located just outside of downtown Kitchener, Terrible Toby's has created a new way to shop for your pet, combining fun, educational moments with an easy and convenient experience. Join Terrible Toby's for their weekly neighborhood walks, monthly nail trimming clinics, or their next pet portrait day. Learn more in-store or follow Terrible Toby's on Facebook and Instagram for all their updates. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. And today we are joined by Leah and Craig from Save Res Dogs to discuss the importance of Indigenous animal welfare. So welcome, Leah and Craig. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy you are here. After a few scheduling challenges, we were finally <laughs> able to make it work. I, mean, yes. I, I think I was sick and then you were sick and yeah, yeah, it is the season, right? Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we have a lot to talk about today, so let's just jump right into it. So can you first, of course, introduce yourselves and then we'd love to hear about any pet that you have in the home and I mean feel free to share about tiny humans as well since we're getting a feature on them uh on our the video that our listeners won't see today okay um Tanse Nia Leah Arkan Nisigasun Muskeg Lake Cree Nation out here in Treaty 6 and this is my partner Craig hello I'm Craig Eads I'm Gitsan Frog Clan from the House of Hauk so um West Coast native, living in Treaty 6, Saskatchewan. Yeah, so Um, BC born, but living in Saskatchewan. Yeah, and we're here in Saskatoon, and we have two dogs, Cedar and Willow. Cedar is our first baby. She just turned seven, and we got her from a, a litter from a friend of ours from the res, and we rescued Willow when she was about six to seven months, so... Those were our first two babies. And that we have two other human babies. We have Kisan. She's almost five. And we have Juno. He is just turned eight months. So we are a big family. <laughs> oh, Juno wants to be part of the podcast. Yeah. I, I have to say, you have chosen beautiful names for all of your children and your pets. Thank you. What, yes. what lovely names. Amazing. Okay. Well, again, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> so it's just, we're going to get right into it. Thank so you. can you tell our listeners about Save Res Dogs? Um, what does Save Res Dogs do? What are you all about? Um, I'm really excited to learn more about what Save Res Dogs does as well. For sure. So I'm a, uh, I'm a teacher by day and I start uh, when I started teaching out on a reserve not too far from Saskatoon. Um, I was teaching a land-based program for grade seven, eight girls, and that was the same year we got Will uh, Cedar as a puppy. So I just started to fuse a lot of like everything in my life together at one point. So just teaching my students about. Um, what it's like being a new pet owner from like from having a puppy. So what does responsible responsible pet ownership 
look like and at the same time feeding and playing with the community uh, res dogs, school dogs, and like looking out for them at the same time. And that was the year, like 2016 was the year where I just became really uh, aware about life of a res dog. And like I've lived on the res, like I'm from the res, we've had dogs. But where I grew up was, like, a farm away from, like, villages and stuff. So I never grew up around, like, packs of dogs. And even teaching up north, um, I just wasn't super aware. And I'm, like, open to admit, like, that part of my journey of, like, of, of it. Because you just, you're just living with dogs and it's normal, you know what I mean? And But for me in 2016, when I started to see, like, um like kids, kids that I knew starting to harm dogs, it just really opened my eyes about like this, what, what's happening, right? And seeing that, you know, there's services and programs out for families and children, but also there's not a whole lot uh, on reserve that look out for animals. Like there's little to no um, animal protection on reserve. So, and I've always been an advocate for many things, like children, the environment, families, our youth, but I'm just like, it, it was just like, not an overnight thing, just gradually, but like wanting to be a voice for res dogs now, because I started to see how leadership was treating them, or not treating them, and just like, un look, understanding the discourse of res dogs, and then um, over time, just wanting to reframe, reframe the narrative for res dogs because it, we've been so um, desensitized and like um, how culls and a lot of other things have been normalized. So I just wanted to just, uh, I don't know, start being a voice for them. And I didn't know where it was going to go when I started it officially in 2019 over time, um, just by starting a Facebook page, but just sort of um, repping for res dogs. Um, Amazing. Through through education, through advocacy, and through fundraising. So eventually, just getting merch made with our logo, and just donating the proceeds uh, out to uh, res dogs and families, and to help in emergencies, basically. So yeah, it's been four years, and I just um, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> now it's kind of like a big passion project really that includes the whole family. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, dog friendly KW has a very similar origin story and <laughs> I will often say that I think some of the best initiatives you just don't really expect. And, um, they, they form very organically just because there is a genuine need for it. Um, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's really incredible to kind of hear a little bit about that. Okay. So, I always like to start these kind of discussions with some historical context because I find it's hard to talk about the present without going back. So one of the resources on your website talks about pre-colonial times and the role of dogs in Indigenous communities. And this is something I've never thought about. This is something I know nothing about. So I would love if you could tell us a little bit more about what this looks like and what was the role of dogs in the context of pre-colonization. For sure. And like what I what I know is what I've learned from my friends who like grew up very culturally 
and just knowing that dog that we've had dogs because I'm from the prairie so that's where I can like really speak from my experience um is that we've had dogs um before we had horses so dogs sort of been with us like we say since time immemorial and that they've been part of our of our human packs and our families as uh, protectors or security or helping with hunting or helping with travel. So just having a very, you know, respectful relationship with animals. And over time, because of colonialism, that relationship has been disrupted um, by being displaced, by having, you know, resources... (laughs) Away from us, sorry if you can hear my baby um, growling. That is a-okay. <laughs> Extra sound effects, we love it. And just like being placed on reserve, and being placed on reserve is what created res dogs. And over time, like, and also learning bits and pieces from other people about when agriculture was starting to boom. Uh, and grow like we had to start like tying up our dogs or starting to shoot our dogs to protect the cows or horses like this new age this new colonialism so that really just disrupted our relationship with animals and because colonialism disrupted so many things in our lives we're constantly trying to like remedy those things and so dogs and other animals are very often not prioritized but with, say, yeah. res dogs, we're trying to put that priority in front of people's faces and say, like, this is an issue and challenge that we face every day. Like, we should start to handle it within our community. Because what we've been doing for decades and is just, like, either killing them in calls or expecting, yeah. like, rescues who have no connection to community to come in and pick up all these dogs up until like a year later where we got more dogs again. So it's like feels like a bit of a band-aid at that point, right? Totally, Instead totally of addressing the root solutions. cause. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Band-aid solutions and being very reactive than preventative. And so that is a huge goal of Save Res Dogs is just to, you know, share our stories and, you know, encourage people and programs to be more preventative just by, you know, sharing, like, like just um, figuring stuff out together, basically, and having people commit and stay consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the way you phrase it around how colonialism, I mean, has disrupted everything, but has also, of course, disrupted our relationship with animals. I think that's a great segue into the next question, um, just around, you know, what are some of the prevalent issues that we are seeing in Indigenous communities um, around dogs in current day? What are um, some of the solutions that communities are working towards? Like, I'd love to understand what things are kind of looking like in today's context. Like what kind of... uh, Like what kind of the issues... Yeah, like what issues are are most frequent in the Indigenous community right now yeah. as it pertains to dogs and dog owners? What yeah. is that looking like? Even like I'm, I would imagine that it probably even shifted um, throughout the COVID pandemic. And yeah, just curious what that kind of looks like today. For sure, and 
Most, well, if not all communities face challenges. Some of them face unique challenges or some of them face the same challenges. But at bottom line, we're all having challenges basically because like um, the reserves come from INAC, Indian Affairs. And under INAC, there's like nothing for animals really, right? And so every reserve is kind of just on their own. And, but they're, like I said, they're always trying to figure something out and, and do other stuff. So, but what I see from this work is that a lot of owners don't feel supported or leadership doesn't know how to support owners or aren't aware that they should support dog owners, that type of thing, which results in like dog packs, um, dog bites, you know, starvation, um, not enough money for food. And those are other things too that owners like have challenges with. It's like access to resources, right? If you don't have a car, right? And it, and all that kind of discourse leads into people saying like, well, if you can't take care of them, then you can't have a dog. But like, that's just like a whole other topic and like just ignorance happening, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... Um, but one thing for sure is, like, there's a lot of people and community members who love their animals, who love their dogs, but they yeah. just, like, feel stuck in some ways. Either, like, lack of resources or lack of support, lack of funds, or lack of initiatives within the community. And that's what really needs to change. And it's such a human problem, and that's what we're also trying to reframe because people will villainize dogs for biting someone or you know chewing up the trash or whatever but it's it's because of us they're doing that and so it's trying to like shift these perspectives for people native and non-native that you know it's such a human problem and that it's not a dog's fault they're just literally trying to survive or trying to protect themselves yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have really, I mean, very similar conversations in, in a more urban context around, you know, the responsibility that pet owners have to keep their dogs safe. And ultimately that accountability does land on the human side of the leash. So how do we shift that narrative? So yeah, you make some great points there. Okay. That was a lot of information. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to do a deep dive into the world of Indigenous animal welfare. So we will be right 